Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Thank you, worship team. You can grab your seats. 30T, hey, you're looking good. Looking good for 32. Pretty good, yeah. I wonder kind of what age you are when you start to, maybe it is about 32, like, you know, when you were little, you would always look forward to your birthday, wasn't it? It was the most exciting time of the year, but kind of those who are a bit more elderly in the room, probably not looking forward to your birthday so much and those numbers climbing up. And uh, I've told this story before, but uh, when I was little, I used to like look forward to my birthday so much that uh, when I was five and a half, I decided it was way too long to wait until I was six to have another birthday party. So I decided that I was going to invent a birthday party for uh, when I turned five and a half. Although I didn't tell people that. I just said, it's my birthday coming up. And uh, I kind of knew that there's a few different things that you need for a birthday, like Again, like some of the things that we all know and love about birthday, we like presents, don't we? Presents are great. Uh, we like food and the different party food and celebrations. I know like back in the 80s when uh, I was, you know, planning this five and a half birthday, uh, I was looking forward to like uh, chocolate crackles and fairy bread. We don't have those anymore. Why don't we have those? In- they were awesome. So anyway, so you, you, need, you need to have this time of celebration, but before that, in order for that celebration to happen, you need to make sure that you're going to have the right people in the room, and so you need an invitation, don't you? So, um, so I thought, well, I don't have invitations because uh, I can't kind of let my mum know what's going on, because otherwise she'll put a stop to this, and uh, so I just, I went up to all the parents of all my friends after school, and I said, oh, you know, uh, it's my birthday coming up. And uh, we would love for you to, to be there. It's going to be on this date and this time. And uh, like, if you can bring the, the honey crackles and you can bring the chocolate crackles and you can bring the fairy bread and like all of that stuff. And uh, make sure you buy me presents because it's my sixth birthday and all of that stuff. And uh, so I thought, well, I've taken care of the invitation. Now they can take care of the celebration. It's all about just celebrating me. And uh, because who wouldn't want extra presents and extra party food. I thought it was great. Everyone thought it was great, apart from my mum when the people started rocking up (laughs) for my birthday. And, uh, you know, she just, she didn't see the joy in it. She didn't let the party, you know, like, I only turned five and a half once and, and she wrecked it. I thought, well, you know, I mean, I don't know if anyone's been celebrating Christmas in July. We, you know, we're still right at the end of July. So I thought, well, if Jesus can have two birthdays, surely I can too. I mean, it just kind of makes sense. But presents and celebrations are good most of the time. But last week, uh, after the service, I was uh, chatting to, to Tim and we were planning on which of these old songs and different things we were going to do. And... Uh, Jack, one of our young people, he's probably out uh, over in Life Kids at the moment. He plays drums in the, the Life Kids band over there. Um, 
he comes over to Tim and he goes, Tim, I've got a, I've got a present for you. I thought, oh, Jack, you are so nice. And Tim's response was not what I would expect from a, a youth leader or a worship pastor, you know, like he says to Jack, whatever it is, Jack, I don't want it. I thought, oh, that's not very nice. But then uh, Jack proceeded to give Tim a pile of rubbish. And so obviously he kind of knew that. I'm sure his response would have been different if Danielle had have been the one coming over to him and offering him something because it would have been something a lot nicer than a pile of rubbish. I'm sure that his response to Danielle would be, whatever it is, I do want it. So the difference, of course, is in the person because you can only give what you have. All that Jack had was rubbish. But Danielle had something of much more worth, you know, quality time and words of affirmation, these kind of things. One we want and the other we don't want. So the question is when it comes to God, when it comes to as we gather around this birthday celebration time and we think about presents and gifts and different things like that, when it comes to God, do we want what he's giving or not? What does God have? What's in his nature? What's in his character? Would we say to God, whatever it is, God, whatever it is you're giving me, whatever it is you're bringing across my path, whatever it is in my future, I want it? Or are we saying to God, whatever it is, I don't want it? And that tends to be based on how we answer that question, tends to be based on our past experience. So we are calling this year the year of favour and grace. But is that consistent with what God has done in the past? What has he done in the past 32 years? And what can we expect from him in the next 32 years? So there are just two points today. That doesn't mean that I'm preaching a third shorter. I know that all good uh, sermons have three points, but there are just two points today. The same thing that every party and celebration needs, invitation and celebration. We're going to start with the celebration part because we need to know what the celebration is, what God is bringing to the party and what we are bringing to the party to know if we want to be invited first and foremost. So celebration. One of the things that I have worked really hard to do in the past few years, I think one of the things that really unlocks the favour and grace of God like nothing else is unity. Unity across generations, unity across genders, across nationalities, across socio-economic divides. And whilst we are by no means perfect at this, I feel that we are better at this now than what we have ever been in our 32-year history. So thank you, church. This is a gift that you actually get to bring every time we gather. Every time we gather, 
There's young and old, there's rich and poor, there's people from lots of different nationalities and we all come with different needs and different wants and different desires. But when we come and we lay those things down and we're here for the, for the collective good of the church, we're here to exalt, exalt the name of Christ, when we come with that heart attitude, that posture of unity especially across generations, I think it pleases the heart of God. I think it gives him reason to celebrate. I think it gives him reason to pour out his favour and grace upon us. But not just every time we meet on a Sunday. Obviously, we have that opportunity at ladies and men's and life home and life kids. Every time we gather together to celebrate and lift up the name of Jesus. And it's kind of easy, I guess, uh, in our current church culture to celebrate the young people. Uh, the platform is generally filled of people that are younger, but I think one of the good things, if there was anything good to come out of COVID, was uh, that we could uh, go to the to the live streaming. We could pre-record stuff. I'm sure there's lots of people watching online now. And we had the opportunity, like most churches went uh, to live streaming and different things like that. And we had the opportunity to come here and I could have just stood on this platform and preached live to an empty auditorium. But many of you would have known that we went to different locations, just like Pastor Mark did uh, the other week to enhance the story and do different things like that. But that wasn't the main driving force behind why we decided to pre-record the messages and go to different locations. The main reason and the main heart behind it was is that we want to value our older generation. And we didn't want to say to people that were already left alone and feeling isolated that you're just going to have to work out this technology stuff on your own. We thought, what can we do? How can we make sure that no one, young or old, doesn't miss out on church, doesn't miss out on gathering together? And so we decided that we would pre-record so that we could uh, produce DVDs and then uh, Belinda and I would spend all day Saturday going around. Uh, we started off making 38 deliveries to 38 different homes of the, the DVDs so that no one could miss out because we wanted to show it was an easy way to show what we've always believed that the older generation is important they have something to bring they have something to contribute to our to our church but also doing those my story videos in people's homes means that those people that are introverts that would never want to set foot up on the platform here, that are not fond of public speaking, uh, would still have an opportunity for their voice to be heard. Psalm 145, verse 4 says this, Each generation will announce to the next your wonderful and powerful deeds. It's the job of each generation. So the 60-plus-year-olds the need to announce... To the 40 and 50 year olds 
The 40 and 50-year-olds need to announce to the 20 and 30-year-olds, and the 20 and 30-year-olds need to announce to the youth, the young people, God's wonderful and powerful deeds. And the great part about that, the great part about that calling, that generational favour and grace that God is calling us to, is that some of you get to be big brothers and big sisters. Some of you get to be parents and some of you the great grandparents in how we outwork this thing called the great commission that God has entrusted us with to make disciples or rather as I would like to term it create family lead people into becoming citizens of heaven so what do grandparents do grandparents in the room. The grandparents are, of course, there to step in when the parents are not around, when they're unable to to care for their kids. The grandparents step in, don't they? Grandparents are invaluable to the raising of uh, the emerging generation. What else do grandparents do? They feed the kids too many lollies and then send them back to their parents. Isn't that right? So as a society, what are we called to? Those of you who are grandparents in the room, you need to step in. There's a, there's a generation that's being raised with absent mothers and fathers. You're invaluable. You need to give sweet words of encouragement and purpose to get them ready to hand back to the world. Parents, what do parents do? Parents are often underappreciated, aren't they? If you ask the kids, I think they would say that the parents' job is transport and food. Getting us to places that we can't get ourselves and feeding us whenever we're hungry. And so spiritually, that's what the parents in the room, you're called to do too. To lead a, a generation to a place that they could never get themselves. That salvation is not something that we could ever attain in and of our own strength. And so we need to help lead and guide people. We need to transport those people to that place where they can find salvation and life and life eternal. And we need to give them the nourishment that comes and only comes through the word of God. And big brothers and big sisters in the room. I remember the best thing about having a big brother at the same school as me was that no one wanted to pick on me. I was always pretty big. I was always one of the the tallest, biggest kids in the class. So Few people would want to pick on me anyway, but having an older brother who was bigger and stronger again, it meant that having a big brother there that was able to walk beside me through the schoolyard, it meant that I could walk through that yard without fear or worry or anxiety about anyone coming against me. And so big brothers, big sisters in the room... 
your call to our society, to our church, to our community, is to be those big brothers, to be those big sisters, to enable this next generation against it, to enable them to be able to walk through life without fear or worry or anxiety because they into life. The one. Just over eight years ago when I was asked to lead this church, my first reaction was to say, no. I don't feel like I'm called to this, particularly because I'm not a father. So how can I lead people to places that I haven't been fired me I felt that the circumstances disqualified me from the role. But God spoke to me very clearly and said, circumstances don't qualify you, I qualify you. But now, when I look back, I think eight years later, my greatest gift that I bring as we're gathering around this birthday celebration time, is not that I'm the best preacher in the world, not that I'm the best leader. My greatest gift that I bring is that I get to be a spiritual father. I get to be a father for the up-and-coming generation. You see, a father is different to a boss or a mentor. Because a boss builds a business to gain more financial power and control. And a mentor often builds a person so they can gain relational power and control. But a father builds a family. He releases a generation by giving away power and control, empowering the next generation to go further than we ever could. This is the gift that I bring to this birthday celebration. But what gift do you bring? You all have gifts. You all have something to bring to this birthday celebration. You all have something to bring to this church. We've been distributed generational favor and grace and each of us get to pour it out in a unique way our key verse for this year comes from Luke 4 which is Jesus quoting Isaiah 61 it says this the spirit of the Lord is upon me he has anointed me to announce the good news to poor people. He has sent me to announce freedom for prisoners. He has sent me that the blind would see again. He wants me to set free those who have been treated badly. And he has sent me to announce the year of God's special favor, favor and grace. You see, the Holy Spirit as we talked about in our recent series, was not just given so that we can speak in tongues in our own private prayer time. 
We've all been given gifts, gifts that belong to our community, to those that are poor, to those that are imprisoned, to those that are blind, to those that are treated badly, to those that actually need God's favour and grace. So as we look forward to God's generational favour and grace for us in the future, God is saying, or are we saying to God, whatever it is that you are bringing, I want it. Whatever gift that you're going to give me, I want it. Not to hold on to it, but to give it to our community and the communities beyond. As I said, it was eight years ago that I got asked to lead this church. And thinking about in the next eight years' time, in eight years, I'll be 50. I'll be 50, the church will be 40, the year will be 2030. How will the, work, will the way that we use the favour and grace of God today, the gifts that God has given us to bring, to give to our community, how will they impact the church of the future? The church in eight years' time. It can be scary, can't it, to think about how things are going in the world and what things are going to look like in eight years' time. I mean, if we look at it from the aspect of the government, the things that they have passed into legislation and the amount of rules and laws that they have passed and what they represent. When we look at society, the increasing rates of pornography and abuse, even as we look at churches, we see a declining church where the gospel is watered down. We can become discouraged when we think about what life is going to look like in 2030. As far as government, society, even within the church. So is there really generational favour and grace for us with everything that we've seen, particularly in the last couple of years? But I'm reminded that the light shines brightest in the darkness. Or as Romans 5.20 puts it, but where sin increased, God's remarkable, gracious gift of grace, His unmerited favour, has surpassed it and increased all the more. Favour and grace for such a time as this. If you are worried about where the government's heading, if you are worried about where society's headed, then where else would you want to turn but the church of Jesus Christ? When sin increased, God's remarkable gift of grace, his unmerited favour increases all the more. I don't know about you, but we kind of, both for my family, extended family, and for Belinda's extended family, we have these group chats, these messenger chats. 
called Fam Bam. And uh, particularly when it comes to Christmas time and planning where we're going to be, what day, you know, whose house is it going to be at um, for Christmas, you know, celebrating, you know, this birth, the birth of Jesus, birthday celebrations. Um, but one of the things that you kind of want to do, that you want to check out, is like who's bringing what to the table? Do you know what I mean? Like, is this person like, because you only want one pasta salad. I mean, as good as pasta salad is, I mean, I could do with three, but like, you kind of want to make sure that one person's bringing pasta salad, one person's bringing potato salad, one person's bringing the green salad, and you know, kind of, everyone sort of has their signature dish that you kind of know, I, I think, I kind of hope that this person is, is bringing that because they do that better than anybody, but you still kind of have this group chat, don't you, where you kind of work out who's bringing what, because you need to make sure that whatever's not being brought, oh, no one's bringing dessert, okay, I'll bring dessert, we need to sort of make sure what everybody is bringing, what's not on the table, to make sure that we're bringing something different to the table. The church of Jesus Christ has a signature dish. It has more than one. Calling is one. And if you're worried about what your calling is, what your purpose is, if you're worried about the way that society's headed and the way that the government is leading us and all of that, it's not cause to, to pull back. It actually gives us clarity to say, I know what's not on the table. We have a signature dish. We have something that we can bring that society doesn't have. The church of Jesus Christ, the true church, will never become irrelevant, but will become more and more relevant as time goes on and more and more in need and demand as time goes on, as the world becomes more hungry and starving for what we have that no one else is bringing to the table. So, I've created a bit of a, a list. Uh, a church, generational, favour and grace, celebration, signature dish. So I've said this, a divided world needs a united church. A defeated world needs a victorious church. A dark world needs a hope-filled church. A daunted world needs an advancing church. A deprived world needs a generous church. A depraved world needs a holy church. A discontented world needs a grace-filled church. This is what the world is not bringing to the table. But church, this is what we get to bring to the table. For those of you that are part of Life Homes, this is going to be your question for this week. If you had to write your own, if you had to write your own list, if we can have that list back up. If, we had to, if you had to write your own, what do you think the world is lacking? 
What's your signature dish that you can bring as part of this celebration? I think the world is lacking, the thing that the world is lacking more than anything right now is fathers, as I said. And Paul said the same thing in 1 Corinthians 4. He said, For you have countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. For I, for I became your father in Christ through the gospel. So in 2030, when there are churches here at Murray Bridge, one in Carrington Street in the city, by faith, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say that yet, but we're in Nova Church uh, in talks for a building right in the centre of the city in Carrington Street, so pray for them. Mount Barker, opening this afternoon for those that want to head down. Got the cafe there and they'll be meeting for the first time in the funeral parlour there next Sunday. Gulwa. I think they're meeting for the last time at the Surf Life Saving Club before they shift next week or the week after into the school down at Gulwa there. Port Hedland, Gifford Hill, Manham. In 2030, we might have schools, drug and alcohol rehab centres, whatever else, whatever other gift God may bring us that we say, yes, I want it. But in saying yes, we want it, it might mean that my role might change. Numbers 8, 23 to 26 says this, The Lord also instructed Moses... This is the rule that the Levites must follow. So this is as they're establishing the Levites who were the ones to serve in the temple. This was how he set it out right in the very beginning. It says, They must begin serving in the tabernacle at the age of 25, and they must retire at the age of 50. After 50, they may assist their fellow Levites by serving as guards at the tabernacle, but they may not officiate in the service. This is how you must assign the duties to the Levites. So I need to start to transition from being a priest to being a guard. Not leaving the church. Still serving, not fully retiring and just caravanning or sitting on a beach somewhere. But becoming a guard in the temple, active. Some of you that are the generation above me already need to move and transition into this phase where you're seeing yourself as a guard for the generation coming after us. Because in eight years' time, Brock's going to be 28. Tash is going to be 32. Jacob Galash, they might all be lead pastors in their own right. And the next lot of trainee pastors will be coming up through. Nathan Manser will be 25. Emily Willis will be 23. Ollie will be 22. Remember what we said in Psalm 145, each generation will announce to the next your wonderful and powerful deeds. 
This is generational favor and grace. You are part of that gift, that birthday gift to the next generation. Each generation brings something. And when we work together, not against each other, it unlocks God's favor and grace for us. So now that we know that his presence are good and that we want them and the world needs them, not only do we need a celebration, but we need an invitation. Have a listen to this invitation, this beautiful invitation that God gives to us in Scripture, dripping with generational favor and grace. Isaiah 55 says, Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. It's an invitation. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen to me and eat what is good. And let your soul incline, let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that your soul may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. It's an invitation. It's a, it's a beautiful invitation not to eat junk food, not to get full on just what the world has to offer, the different things that, that promise substance but don't actually satisfy you, don't actually nourish your soul. Not to live a life without purpose, but an invitation to a covenant, to eat and drink at the celebration of celebrations that I was talking about just a few weeks ago. There's a saying that you may have heard people say, they say, it's above my pay grade. Have you heard people say that before? It's above my, my pay grade. In other words, it's a saying that we kind of use when we're not smart enough, not connected enough, when we don't know enough, when there's things going on that sort of are above us, that we're sort of beneath the things that are going on. We can't know, we're not going to know. It's above my pay grade. I'm not paid enough to know those things. Those things are out of my reach. But what if this invitation that God is giving us is an invitation to a life of purpose? But not just, not just any purpose, a purpose that is far and above our pay grade. A purpose that we could never afford, a purpose that we could never work for, a, a purpose that is above all of our pay grade. How would we be able to, to reach something so far? How would we be able to reach a purpose so big? We would need favour and grace. We would need to be invited and this is that invitation it says that we are invited to buy 
milk and wine without price. But what does that mean? I mean, if there was no cost at all to anybody, it would have just said, come, this is free, but it doesn't say that. It's, it does cost someone something. It's an invitation to the best of the best. The most expensive of wine. Wine so expensive that no one can afford it. It's above everybody's pay grade. It's wine. It's, it's beautiful. It's rich. But then why does it say milk and wine? Well, the reason that I didn't greet most of you in the car park the way that I normally do when you get here is because uh, starting at about 4.40 last night or the early hours of this morning, we were starting to have some puppies, as has already been said. So from 4.40 until 10.05, when I left and raced out the door to, to come here, we had seven puppies uh, born, and uh, I could feel another one in there, but I, kinda, I couldn't wait any longer. I had to go. So when I get home, there could be eight, there could be nine, we don't know. But each time one of those puppies came into the world, the first thing, of course, that we did was make sure that the airway was, was clear. We checked that they were alive and, and breathing that breath of life that I was again talking about a few weeks ago. But then the next thing that you're supposed to do, the thing that the puppies need almost instantaneously once they've taken that first breath, is they need milk. And so this idea of milk... And wine is actually speaking again about generations. It's actually speaking again about that it's not just this amazing wine off in the future, but it's milk for today. I mean, wine we kind of know and understand that, you know, like many of us in this room with as many grey hairs as me, you kind of... You get better with age, don't you? When it comes to wine, you get better with age. Turn to someone with more grey hair than me and say, you get better with age. But milk, when we think about milk in the Middle East... A couple of thousand years ago when there was no refrigeration in the middle of the desert, milk doesn't get better with age, does it? <laughs> it needs to be consumed almost immediately. And so God is saying, when God is giving us this invitation to come and drink, come and, and buy without price milk and, and wine, what he's saying to us is, the invitation is not just for a far off, not just when we make it through the gate, not just as amazing as the blood of Jesus is. 
which is his blood poured out that became that wine for us. It's not just somewhere way off in eternity in the future. When we die, we get to receive of this generational favor and grace. No, it's milk and wine. It's milk for today. That There is blessings that God has for every single one of us for today that we need generational favor right now. And then I was thinking, how can you buy something without money? Not just get given it, but buy something without money. And I thought, what do people give more than anything else at birthdays? Gift cards. Gift cards. So it's the church's birthday, so we wanted to get you all a gift. And so if the ushers could start, we've got you $100 gift cards. Um, yeah, so if the, if the ushers can just start handing those out. And, uh, you know, if you're watching online, everyone's uh, receiving a hundred... If you're listening on the podcast and you can't see what's going on, there's just... Let's just make a lot of noise, church. Like, there's... Everyone's getting $100 gift cards. We didn't have the budget for that. <laughs> but with a gift card, whether it's from Bunnings or Cotton On, or the, you know, these different places, people give these gift cards so that then you can walk into the store and you can buy something without money, but it only works in that store. And if that was... The news of you getting a $100 gift card was the most exciting thing of the service so far, then I am sorry. I'm not sorry for tricking you, but I am sorry that I haven't done a better job at communicating what it is that is available to you today. It's something so much more of value, so much more of worth than just a $100 gift card that you're going to use and then the stuff's going to break and then you're left still wanting more. No, what God is giving us, what this invitation is, it's an invitation to a celebration where you can buy the milk and wine of heaven without cost. This is where it is available. This is what is available to each and every one of us. You have a gift card to heaven, to the things of heaven. What does God have? He has good gifts for us. He has generational favor and grace for us that we can say, whatever it is, that you want, whatever it is that is on the shelf, whatever it is that you're stocking, whatever it is that you're bringing God, I want it. It was paid for by Jesus on the cross. And as we celebrate today all that God has done and all that God is going to do in the next year, in the next eight years, in the next 32 years, it comes with this generational favor and grace invitation to a life of purpose above your pay grade 
but paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. That we can say, whatever it is, wherever it leads us, whatever programs, whatever locations, whatever events, whatever people God brings in through our doors, if it's from Him, we want it. Because He always brings good gifts to those who ask Him. Let's stand and let's pray. Father God, we thank You that today You bring us an invitation. An invitation to a celebration. Not just a celebration of 32 years of a building, not just a a celebration of 32 years of people gathering on a Sunday to sing some songs and be entertained. But no, you give us this morning an invitation to come and buy milk and wine without cost. Without cost to us, but at infinite cost to you. An invitation to a purpose above our pay grade. Father, I just pray that none of us would look to the world, would look to junk food, would look to being satisfied and filled up. Why would we labor for things that have no impact? Why would we serve in departments or community groups or different things that don't last, that don't have any eternal purpose? Why would we live our lives working jobs to pay off mortgages, to buy houses that are not going to last when before us right now there is an invitation into your holy presence? Father, we thank you for your faithfulness over the last 32 years. And Father, we thank you for where you are leading us in the next 32. Father, I pray that every single person, young and old, rich or poor, black and white, we would all see that we all have a calling, we all have a gift that we get to bring to the table. something that a broken, dying, hurting world is starving for. And we get to bring it because, Lord, you brought it to us when we were broken, when we were starving, when we were blind, when we were the captive. So, Father, come by your favor and grace, pour out your love, your grace, your mercy upon us today.
and every day we pray in Jesus' name. Let's worship, church. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.